0: We continue our study on Christian graces. Graces. I'm going to read uh, as Ben has read for us uh, verses five through seven. I'm going to I'm going to go through ten because uh, Peter is telling them if you grow in these things, but so what? Why? Well, the reason why he'll tell us why. Uh, why you want to grow in these things in verses eight, nine, and ten. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patient godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his own sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. And so as we had talked about faith last week as being a, uh, so much as a race or, or um, one that would uh, train, this is God's training pattern. For us to be mature Christians if you just take those things and and keep adding one to the other and so this morning we're going to look at virtue and so if I had asked what what does virtue what do you think virtue mean most of you would probably say it means a good moral or standard Um, and so if we look it up I I forgot to add my um, my animations, I added this this morning, but virtue according to Merriam-Webster is conformity to a standard of right morality, okay, that's according to our dictionary, so if we go to our dictionary, that's what it's going to tell us, but if we look up the Greek word for virtue, it means properly manliness or valor. Uh, excellent, intrinsic or attributed praise or virtue, and so you're thinking of valor. Well, if you if you just don't click on the first definition from Merriam-Webster, it also defines it. it defines it as manly strength or courage or valor. And so the Greek word here, what what Peter's trying to hammer home is to be strong, have great courage. <coughs> Because when I first started looking at it, I was like, oh, well, this will fit in with repentance. You're turning from your old ways and you're, you're, you're having good moral character. But no, it's, it's strength. Uh, Valor, according to Merriam-Webster, is uh, is strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness, that is, personal bravery. And so we have to ask ourselves as, as we study. Um, in the first couple of lessons the context of the letter was warning against what danger what danger would they need to be so brave in and I think this fits very well with, with Ben's class especially with the whole book of Acts once you start the missionary journeys the things that they're doing they had great courage and bravery for the things that they spoke but remember in 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1-3 through 3, Peter's giving them a warning But there were false prophets among the people. And so in the old times there was false prophets. Even as there shall be what? False teachers among you Christians. Who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Even denying the Lord that bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. So we know that the, the Lord bought the church. So he's talking about Christians here. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words or false words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not and so again the context is on false teachers last week we looked at the foundation what was the foundation it was our faith and so what is he saying add to your foundation firm footing firm footing Faith plus bravery or firmness. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Why? Because you're brave. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The things that Peter and Paul and many of the other ones that we read about, they weren't doing that in vain. When they spoke boldly, they were doing the will of the Lord, but they would not be they were not unmovable from the truth. In Jude verse, verses three and four, Jude writes, "Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write on you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write on you and exhort you that you should what earnestly contend for the faith." which was once delivered on to the saints. For there are, now notice what Jude's going to talk about. Why must you earnestly contend for the faith? For there are certain men crept in and unawares, that's those wolves and sheep. <laughs> who were before of old or to to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's false teachers. Those that are denying God and those that are denying our Lord, and so taking a stand for the faith takes bravery. As as uh, I don't have it in my lesson this morning, and I thought about adding it, and I was like, "Well, as as Ben had talked about on that first missionary journey, how they traveled through, and we see we will see in the coming chapters, and when they get to Lystra, he made reference to it that Paul was stoned nearly to death." They left him thinking he was dead. And then they turn around and they come right back into Lystra. That took bravery. Courage. But Paul also said out of all these things, the Lord has delivered me out of And so we always know that Paul always gave uh, glory to who it was that delivered him out. And so this morning we're going to take a look at some examples. And it's going to be examples where someone had to be brave when when people were not walking according or they were teaching things not according to the will of God. Paul calling out Peter. Now he was an apostle. Notice what it says in Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I, that's Paul writing the letter, I which stood him to the faith, because he was to be blamed. Well, what did he do? Verse 12, For before the serpent came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So who came the circumcision? It would be uh, Jewish Christians. And the others Jews, Dissemble likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. That circumcision might be might be uh, un- unbelieving Jews. Um, but when I saw that they were they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I sent on to Peter before them all. If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? But notice what Peter was doing in the actions. And those that followed after him, they were not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. He wasn't teaching that, but his actions were teaching that. Peter's actions taught others the sin against the teachings of the gospel. I'm going to go back to. What we did our study on 1 Peter. I believe it's in 1 Peter chapter 5 that I want to go to real quick to show what, what Peter said that the elders were to be. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Again, feed the flock. We, we talked about that last week. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. But notice what it says in verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being his samples to the flock. They... The elders are to live a life and to say and do things that they can be examples to the flock. Peter's example here was contrary to the gospel. And so he was teaching others by his actions to sin. An apostle wasn't above being reproved, and Peter's action was actually causing division at Antioch. We had talked about division some this morning. Uh, here it was it was causing division, and so it was it was almost like putting that that law of Moses back in place that was enmity between Jew and Gentile, right? They were they were still they were still kind of with their noses down towards the Gentiles in this scenario. And then how about elders? Well, we just read that Peter was an elder, but Peter was not an elder at Antioch. He wasn't an elder per se at Antioch. More than likely he would have been an elder maybe at the church in Jerusalem. We we have no uh, writings to tell us where he would have have, uh, fulfilled the role as an elder. But remember Paul's warning to the elders at Ephesus. In Acts chapter 20 verses 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not spearing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And so there was going to be elders that started teaching false doctrine. And they were going to draw disciples from Christ to themselves. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, notice what what Paul tells Timothy. Against an elder, now that's not an older person, that that is an elder of the Lord's church, Receive not an accusation, he, he says you just don't take it on, on, well, maybe they don't like the elder, so they're going to say this, and then, and then you're going to handle it that way. No, it says, but before two or three witnesses. Remember, everything's to be done with, with two or three witnesses. Now notice it says, them that sin, if an elder sins, he rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Notice what he says in Verse 21. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. So what is that saying? An elder is not above being rebuked. You don't don't do it by partiality. You don't say, well, he's an elder. I'm not going to rebuke him. If 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 he sinned, then he needs to be corrected. How might an elder sin? Well, if you go back to uh, verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Labor in the word and doctrine. And so if an elder's teaching something of false doctrine, <coughs> uh, you would have two or three witnesses. Well, if it's, if it's in an auditorium setting, uh, you, you would definitely have more than one witness. Elder laboring in the word, that is teaching a Bible class or preaching lesson, needs to be corrected in most instances we would probably pull to the side but Peter said thus saith the Lord or the word before all that all may fear how about uttering brethren well let's take the two things that we learned last week strengthen our faith Plus bravery in action. We're very fond of 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Let's keep it all in the context. 2 Timothy 2, verses 15 through 18. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat its doth of canker. Of who is who? These would have been Christian brethren: Hymenaeus and Philidius, who concerning the truth had what erred, saying that the resurrection has passed already and had overthrown the faith of some. And so this was the verse I was trying to think of last week when I said, even in our brotherhood, there's an 80-70 uh, doctrine out there or um, realized eschatology the resurrection took place at AD 70 well they're overthrowing the faith of some we had looked last week that we are that those that are in paradise have not been made perfect yet that we will all be made perfect or complete at the same time and that will be at the day the day of uh, the day of judgment when the resurrection takes place. Well, what saith the scriptures on the resurrection? Our hope is in the resurrection. And so we would go to the resurrection chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. Now, in in the text there, guess what they were teaching? They were teaching there was no resurrection of the dead. So that was a false doctrine. And Paul's had to deal with it. And so what did he have to do? He had to go back to the beginning. I, I... declared to you what, what was declared to me that, how that Jesus died and was buried and rose again on the third day and then he's saying that your faith is void you're still dead in your, if, if the Savior not raised up then you, you're still dead in your sins if in this life only is our hope in Christ We are of all men most new. Our hope is in that resurrection. Our hope is in that new body that we will receive. But that resurrection has not taken place yet. Converts from opposing religious views. Acts chapter 15 verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren. Look, they're teaching and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Who were these men? Verse 5. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. These were Pharisees that were converted to Christ, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, that would be the Gentiles, and command them to keep the law of Moses. The law of Moses we talked about many times, and Ben's doing a very good thing in class about the law of Moses was nailed to the cross. You can't keep what's no longer in in effect. So, how did Paul and Barnabas Barnabas handle it? Acts 15, verse 2. And when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they earnestly contended for the faith. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem on to the apostles and elders about this question. And so Paul and Barnabas were standing firm, but uh, the church there decided that they needed more clarification uh, on the the question. How about those from without, non-Christians? Acts chapter 19 verses 8 through 10 uh, and he that's talking about Paul went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God but when divers were hardened and believed not notice what they were doing but spake evil of that way they were teaching against the truth they were falsely teaching before the multitude he deported from them and separated the disciples. So he took the Christians out of that situation, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continually by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Paul disputed against those that spoke evil against the way <coughs> or the faith. But notice, leaving didn't mean they were right and he was wrong. He was just practicing what the Lord told us in Matthew chapter seven, verse six: "Give not that which is holy on unto dogs; neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you." Many times, what are they trying to do? They're trying to kill Paul, kill Paul, kill Paul. And so we even, too, after a certain point, we have to say we're no longer going to cast the gospel, that treasure, before before the swine, those that don't want to hear it. All you're going to do is anger them more and more and more, and as we read in the book of Acts, they oftentimes would gather what? Mobs to silence Paul. Having a strong faith in the faith allows one to speak boldly against false doctrine. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed and, and the, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. There's many times we'll read in the passage that the Holy Ghost and them speaking with boldness. Well, one of the spiritual gifts given in the first century was supernatural faith. Supernatural Faith. I only have one verse here, but I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 real quick so we can see what is in context of what the miraculous gifts were given because our next, I believe, our next uh, grace is going to be um, knowledge. Knowledge. I'm going to start with verse 1 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away onto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give to you, un, give you to understand, that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gift, but the same Spirit. And so there's again, there's there's different gifts that were given, and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord and there are diversities of operation but it is the same God which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit withal. for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge and so these are supernatural wisdom supernatural uh, or miraculous knowledge by the same spirit to another faith that's super faith by the same spirit uh, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues and we had seen uh, well I'll go ahead and finish with 11 but all these worketh that one self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will and so uh, that would be individually Uh, When they were given gifts, not all were given all gifts. Some were just given one gift. We know that in the context, they all coveted speaking in tongues. In chapter 14, he's going to deal with that they were uh, misusing these spiritual gifts. And then in chapter 14, he's going to say uh, these gifts were given for the edifying of the body. Why cause division over gifts? The gifts were given in the first century, as we we taught many times, so that they would have, they'd be able to to, uh, speak in other tongues so that they could speak in other languages. So they could go into these nations that they would have unlearned tongues, as as the uh, apostles did on the day of Pentecost. Remember, they said, Are not these men Galileans? How do we hear that every man speak in our own tongue? And then after Peter. Uh, healed the lame man at Gate Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And he's speaking boldly. Aren't these ignorant Galileans? Fishermen. Spoke boldly. Well, they had supernatural faith. They had supernatural wisdom. And as we had studied in Acts chapter 13 with Elinus, when he was trying to pervert the Lord's way, They had the discerning of spirits. So Paul knew what his intentions were. That was supernatural faith. For us to speak bold, we must speak what the Holy Spirit revealed in the written Word of God today. We're not going to get it miraculous. As we saw Timothy study, study, we are to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Romans chapter... Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's the teachings of the spirit. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual uh, that would be spiritual words. Well, he's talking about the things that they spoke, and so it's through the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the first century, they got it miraculously, but when the whole word was complete, we know that that which was done in part would be done away. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse I believe it's ten. And so those those speaking in tongues they would end, and uh, prophecy would end, and the, the miracles would end but they were bold because they had the Holy Ghost. We can have the teachings of the Holy Ghost which will make us bold, but we have to grow. We have to grow to a point in our faith that we will be able to stand firmly and be able to contend with those that teach false doctrine. That's why he told them with all diligence you've got to do this quickly because the false teachers are coming. Now we know in our our day and time, that's why I use those from without. We know that there's so many religious factions out there. They're called denominations, and that word in its sense is division. How would you like your money divided out to you? What denomination would you like it in? Well, I'd like some 10s and some 20s. But it's, it's no less telling you to divide. Denomination is nothing but division. That's what was happening in Corinth. In chapter 1, that's what Paul's dealing with. Why are you sitting here with Paul and Apollos and Cephas? There's only one Christ and his body wasn't divided and the church is the body. False teachers will cause one. And they were dealing with it in Corinthians because we read in chapter 15. They were saying that there was no resurrection. Well, that goes against the very principles of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Their, firm, their foundation wasn't strong. That's what we talked about last week. How can you say there's no resurrection? You should have learned that in your first principles. Your foundation's built on the resurrection. And so this year, as we, as we continue to grow and, and strengthen, we, we need to get to that point where we have that virtue that, Paul, or that Peter's telling them to have, that bravery to contend. It's very hard to do. You work with people, so if you if you speak things that they don't want to hear, it's going to make your life at work bad. Family, it'll cause division. We we read about that in the Bible that father will hate son, son will hate father. We can't we can't hide our light under a bed. For those that are in denominations we their hope. They have no hope because they're outside of Christ. If we don't bring them to Christ, they have no hope. But the, the sad thing is, is Peter's talking about in the Old Lord's Church. They're going to overthrow the faith of song. You got to deal with it. For any that may not obey the gospel of Christ, we invite you to do so now. It's the same gospel that has been preached for almost 2,000 years. <coughs> it's the same invitation, and it's the Lord's invitation. It starts by hearing the word of God. You've got to have that foundation. Romans 10, 17, so that faith comes by hearing, or hearing by the word of God. Our faith is, is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead. John 20 verses 30 and 31 and many other signs true that Jesus and the presence of his disciples were not written in his books. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and believing you may have life through his name. That Once you learn the ways of the Lord, you'll see that your ways don't align with his ways and that leads one to repentance. In Luke 13, 3 and 5, Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then you must confess Him before men, Matthew chapter ten, verses thirty-two and thirty-three. But I'm going to go to Romans ten, verses nine and ten. That is the, the confession made on the salvation. That if thou believe with thy heart that Jesus has, or well, with the mouth confession is made on the salvation. I messed it all up. Let's get into it. Because there's two points on that, <coughs> so I've got my thoughts all scrambled. That thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's that resurrection. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But notice both of them are on two. You're headed in the right direction. You're not saved yet. Well, how can we be saved? Well, it says... Um, Romans 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 22, verse 16, Paul was told, And now why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. At which point he was saved. He, he was added to the Lord's church. Acts two forty seven, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Well, guess what they did before they were added? and were baptized. In many other words, did Peter exhort uh, uh, and and told them to save themselves. And upon that day, uh, 3,000 were uh, baptized and saved. Or perhaps you are a member of the Lord's church, but you have let error, um, whether that's following examples of others in the church and and you're doing things that are contrary to the will of the Lord, Perhaps uh, you have heard some things that were said that were false and you believe them to be true. We'll, well, search the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. If we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front as together we stand and sing.